Alrighty Roo. Oh, it's up against the cable. So it's like it's like muted. Like when you play guitar and you got your, your uh palm. You yeah, know? or you fat finger it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I have trouble doing. Fat I've fingering? always tried to play guitar. Mm. And I, I'm always tempted to use my pointer finger as a pick. Uh-huh. Cause I, I always drop the pick. It's not against the rules. I always go like this. You Listener, can you see what I'm doing here? Middle finger on top of your pointer. Mm. A human hand pick. Oh, so it's a little soft, but also a little firm, like a regular yeah, pick. Yeah, and then you just go. Oh, you're using your finger as a pick. You just go like yeah, this. Instead of just using, like, instead of just holding it still. Okay. I know lots so of guitar players will, uh, well, not lots, but I know guitar players that will grow out their thumbnail. Well, yeah. just to be clear, I'm not a guitar player, but when I want to play, I do this. Oh, you do that? Yeah. Oh. It looks like you're playing the world's tiniest violin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do have pretty <laughs> tiny fingers. Are they? Yeah, I have tiny fingers. They're pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> They're short and stumpy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I took um, classical guitar lessons for a little bit growing up, and my teacher, his entire right hand, he had grown out fingernails. Really? Because you play with all your fingers. Interesting. He finger picks a lot, right? Yeah. But just the right hand. Like, if you looked at him, it, it would be strange because his other hand would just look normal. Yeah. That's full dedication right there. Full yeah. dedication. That's his life. Yeah. When you have a Freddy Krueger hand, mm -hmm. that's full dedication. But also a normal hand. And one normal hand. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if you had two Freddy Krueger hands, then you could do other stuff with that. Yeah. Besides play guitar. That means he's fully guitar and fully human. Yeah. He's like a, a dichotomy there. Yeah. You know? A human dichotomy. A human dichotomy. Yeah. I'm so happy we started the show this way. <laughs> Are you dull? Bible dingers ding or no ding? Bible dingers. Bible dingers ding or no ding is how we start the show. And this, of course, is our recap episode. We had a very successful season and i don't know about you guys but i am super proud of what we came up with to present to our listeners i love that we covered all things eschatology that we covered all things revelation that we have resources and charts on our website bibledingers.com for those of you that want to read through the book of revelation you have things that can help you understand almost verse by verse we covered all the signs and symbols. We covered uh, all the numerology. And uh, we have, our, of course, our outline of the book. And I'm missing one other thing, right? The guests that we had on for their views. Did you already mention that? Oh, yeah, yeah. The round table. The round table. We, we covered the round table with uh, uh, Partridge, Pastor Chris, and uh, Dr. Dr. Chung. Yeah, yep. Dr. Chung. Uh, that was a lot of fun. So... If you never had, if you never had the opportunity to sit down and listen to a discussion with three amazing minds in the eschatology world, there's a chance to go back and listen to that episode. But let's go ahead and start with ding or no ding, and then we could just talk about last season, guys. For the very last time, in this season, and possibly through each book of the Bible. Yeah, we're gonna well, recap the whole Bible. I think we should just do it all over again, you know? Okay. Start in Genesis. 
next season. It would be nice. Yeah. To get it on YouTube. Yeah. But for the very last time, in a very nostalgic way, an incredible way, in a way that we might never feel again. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> Guys, are you ready for this? Oh. I'm going to cry, bro. I think there's something in my eye. He's not ready. Yeah. I said, are you ready for this? Texas girl sneezes 13,000 times a day. Whoa. See, we might have had a Freudian slip there. Oh, because the real headline first is that she sneezes 13 times a day, which that's great. Why would that be a headline? (laughs) That's that's an article I would read. Um, Texas girl sneezes 13,000 times a day. I'm getting hip to Nick's tricks, I think. Getting hip to my tricks? Yeah. All right. It's a little late for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's true. I'm finally figuring this thing out. Well, in your defense, I was really bad at stumping you before this season. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Nick coughs 13,000 times a day. <laughs> Yeah, right. I pretty much do. Tooting or not tooting? That is the question. What? what is the answer? No ding. Ding. Oh. No ding. 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 You know me. I always respond to the person that makes me a winner. <laughs> Ryan, you are as wrong as it gets. Ah, oh, no. I'm so stupid. Bro, I'm so stupid. We can't all be smart. Caitlin Thorny, 12 years old, started sneezing. I knew it was Caitlin. Started sneezing about a month ago and hasn't stopped. Thornley says she sneezes up to 20 times a minute. That's 12,000 times a day. She can no longer attend school or play her clarinet in the school's band. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, so this whole this person's life has been upended. <laughs> yeah, the article ended. But what about the person that has to bless her every time? <laughs> what about that person? The support system, you know? It's like the Beatitudes all over again. It's blessed like are you, the- blessed <laughs> are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. It's like you, they used to have the 24-hour prayer. Yeah. Uh, they just have 24-hour bless you. Oh, but, you know, you yeah, People yeah. go in and out. They take shifts. Every hour. Yeah. 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 That's a lot of blessing. I would just write it on the wall and just point. <laughs> refer, to, <laughs> refer to the diagram. <laughs> so I'm not sure where she's at today. Yeah. But she's from, sneezing for sure, wherever from, that is. From what I read, I think she got a little better. Mm. I don't know where she is today, but I know she was on TV quite a while and she was on news articles and Dr. Phil and stuff. Yeah. And she had some type of disorder where she would just sneeze all day long. I wonder if it ever got fixed. I don't know. I tried to look, but then I stopped. Oh, okay. Um, but it's definitely real. Yeah. And I feel kind of bad. I, You know, yeah. I heard of it. I heard of the people that constantly sneeze. Um, but what I was thinking is that a lot of times recently... 
you will take a real article and then you'll just change a minor detail about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was actually like 10,000 times a day, but you changed it to 13,000. That's what I thought you were doing. Yep. But I was I, wrong. And I knew you would think that. <laughs> so I left it alone. Bro, you are like so ahead of the game right now. I am. Yeah, guys, so this is the recap episode. And this also is also known as the recrap yeah, episode. I, I have to catch myself every time I say recap, I have to slow it down a little bit. Did you say that once? So I don't have to. I don't actually. I remind him on recap. every recap episode you know, that it's not recap. It's like season two. Yeah. That it's the recap episode. Because we've we say it by accident each and every time. You well, say, you say it. we don't say it by accident every yeah. time. I say it completely on purpose. Okay. What before you guys get here? I'm like I'm gonna say recap today. <laughs> That's great. I'm yeah. glad I can offer you that. Thanks for offering that to me. You hear the it's turtle a over there? offering. Yeah. Frank, Franklin is farting over there, bro. Is that what that was? That's also a fragrant offering. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyways. Anyway. Uh, oh. Oh. Any, Ryan, oh. What is your favorite moment from this past season? I had a feeling we were going to talk about that. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm. It's almost like we talk about that every recrap episode. Mm. You know? Strange. My favorite moment, honestly, I feel like the easy one to say is the round table, but I don't think that's my favorite moment, even though it was a good moment. It was a great moment. My favorite moment was probably sitting with Pastor Chris for hours, listening to him walk verse by verse through Revelation. Mm-hmm. That was probably my favorite moment because uh, you know, we mentioned it a couple times this season that... Uh, me and Nick go to church together and, and Pastor Chris is our pastor and he did a, a sermon series through Revelation and that was my first time really being exposed in a deep way to amillennialism and learning about it and then getting to sit down a second time and go through it really sort of it just made me understand even further uh, the concepts and, and the reasons why you know, they believe certain things about certain passages, so. Yeah. How about you, Mark? I was going to say the same thing. Mm. Sitting with Pastor Chris was great. Um, although, Nick, the the last time when you couldn't make it, uh, I was having trouble staying awake. Oh, were you? But it was no fault of Pastor Chris. I was just really tired. Oh. But Well, in all reality, I mean, this is actually encouraging to the listeners to hear. That Mark was falling asleep? No, when you're sitting there and you're listening to basically a theological lecture for three hours, it's tough to handle sometimes. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay. For you guys, you could just press pause and come back to it another day. Mm -hmm. I listened to the episode where you guys were without me and I had to pause because it's just so much information. Yeah. It's like that man took about 40 years to learn what he knows in these episodes. Mm-hmm. We're trying to learn it with him 
in what a month mm-hmm. you know listeners are trying to learn it in what two hours mm-hmm. it's impossible slow it down take a week take two weeks take three weeks to listen to that one episode and go through it with your bible open take your time take notes it took 40 years for him to know that mm-hmm. and for for people like us who don't have that experience it's kind of expected to fall asleep. Uh, to be honest with you, if you're sitting there for three or four hours mm-hmm. listening to the book of Revelation, it's tough. And uh, slow it down and just try to absorb what you can and, and do the best that you can. It's a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really could do that pausing thing every day because I think we hit like five or six chapters per episode. So you could just take 15, 20 minutes, do a chapter... Yeah. And just try and digest that one chapter because every chapter has so much going on in it. Exactly, especially as you as you move further into the book. In the beginning, it's a it's a bit it's a tiny bit easier to understand, but then as you move into it, you know about chapter six, seven, and on, that's when it's like really difficult. Yes, yes. My my goal for even me is to read a chapter of Revelation, have the chart printed out on the side, have the episode going on in my ears, and once chapter one or chapter two is finished, look at the chart, process what I'm hearing, and then try to develop the proper hermeneutic as I'm reading and try to take my time. You have to be in Revelation for a long time. I would say probably about a year mm-hmm. of in-depth study, maybe even two of in-depth study using that way of studying and even you can have some commentaries to you know to really memorize it to the point where pastor chris has it where he didn't even need notes to cover those episodes yeah i don't know if we actually mentioned that while we were recording i know we spoke about it afterwards recording but i I know you guys weren't able to see what was going on but most of the time pastor chris wasn't even looking at the bible like as a guide on on what was happening in what chapter he was just going off of the dome, knowing exactly like verse by verse what happens in every chapter and explaining what yeah. the verses mean. Yeah. And that was like super impressive to me. I've never seen something like that. Yeah. And for him, I asked him a few times, I was like, do you want to rephrase that? Because it's not exact. He's like, no. He's like, why would I? It'll cost people to open their Bibles and double check it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm fine with that. And I love that. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you make a small minor mistake... You're like, no, I don't want to be perfect. I have this whole thing memorized. It's mm-hmm. like, hopefully it encourages the people to be the same way and read it and get to know it. But yeah, I mean, it's safe to say that's all of our favorite parts of the season. Mm-hmm. Or maybe uh, talking to uh, Right Response. Uh, <laughs> you really want to go there, huh? What's his name? <laughs> Joel. Yeah, Joel Webbin Joel blocked Osteen. me. Joel Osteen. Joel Webbin blocked me because I told him that he needs to be more gracious talking to people blocked um but yeah uh i did not enjoy that episode too much but i did enjoy covering post-millennialism mm-hmm. um i did learn a lot about post-millennialism i mean I, I learned a lot about all the views but yeah. yeah i will say um you know when i was writing the first episode for the season uh which was the context episode um you know, about when Revelation was written, who wrote it, who the audience was, all that stuff that you guys probably don't even remember from the earlier seasons. That's what we usually do. We go book by book and we'll talk about the author and date and stuff like that. Um, We only had one episode like that this entire season. Mm -hmm. And so when I was writing that episode, 
Um, I started getting, I started getting skeptical of post-millennialism. I knew very little about it. Um, but, but I know a lot of post-millennialists are full preterists. You know, they believe that all this happened before the destruction of Jerusalem. And when I was doing the context episode, I, I really couldn't accept that. But then after we spoke with Joel and went over post-millennialism and then had the round table, I still felt that way, but probably even more. <laughs> I really, that's probably the only view that I just can't really get behind. And meanwhile, uh, Joel Webb on the website, I mean, on the, on the episode said that, that dispensationalism holds no merit, mm-hmm. if you remember, and that we need to say that more. So it's funny because it just shows that no matter what side you're on, each side has problems with each other. Mm-hmm. And I think the way we handled those differences on the round table was really respectful because uh, Dr. Chung, right? Yeah, he, well, he was historic pre-mill. Yeah, but he opened up the episode by saying, listen, there are many differences here. But we are one mind, we are one heart, mm-hmm. and that's in Christ Jesus. And you might not disagree, you might not agree with Post Mill, mm-hmm. but they're still brothers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're brothers who I love. Well, um, actually, no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they're brothers that we love that we are going to see in heaven one day. Um, I would say about dispensational premillennialism that I, I no longer hold to that. You know, like I, I used to sort of by default hold to that because that's what I learned many years ago. Um, however, I wouldn't necessarily just throw it out like I felt a lot of people did, you know, during the season. I I don't think it... I think what Joel was saying and I think what a lot of theologians would say is that it doesn't really have much historical merit because it's only been around for a couple hundred years. That There's not much... There's not much weight, you know, to the view because it's so new on the block. But I would say that when you talk to a dispensational premillennialist, they really know their Bible really well. Absolutely. Just like just like all these other theologians. But they're not like, you know, some dummy that is just reading Revelation and is like, oh, I just have to take this literal because I'm just they no, they bring in Daniel, they bring in Ezekiel, yep. they bring in all the all the minor prophets, they and they marry the whole Bible together to get to their view. And so there's there is merit to dispensational premillennialism. And I just feel like I wanted to say that because because it sort of got knocked a lot. It got knocked yeah. at the round table. It got knocked when we were interviewing folks. It got knocked by me a couple times when we were talking to Pastor Chris. And they didn't have a representative at the round table because we couldn't book one. That doesn't mean that we're just, you know, saying this is not a view that you should ever even consider. It's just that, uh, it, it worked out that way. Yeah. It was the easy one to pick on while we were talking to folks and we just couldn't book one of them for the round table. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, dispensationalism is a little bit easier to pick on because of how people come out of it. Mm Mm-hmm arguing and basically saying you don't take the Bible seriously, you don't take it literally, you don't read it in the way it's supposed to be read, and all those accusations that some of them uh, accuse the other views of, it kind of makes it an easy target because our approach is not to attack one another. Our approach is to respect all the views 
and then let's discuss the differences. Whereas as soon as I posted something on on Instagram, a dispensationalist went right into the comment section and says, "Oh, uh, you, the, the true one is on the top, and you everybody has to recognize that because everybody's denying the truth." No, 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 no. That's not the approach that Bible Dingers takes in teaching these views. But I think we're biased, and uh, we're Amil, right? All three of us. I I would say after this is the first time I really studied Revelation. I lean. Mostly Amil. Yeah. For me, personally, again, this is not a knock towards any of the other views. We respect them, obviously. But I feel like it's the only one that's logical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the only one that makes sense, like, in, a, in, in just a, a simple way. In, in, in dispensationalism, I find very confusing and hard to follow. Postmillennialism, I find unrealistically optimistic. And then uh, historic pre-mill, I just can't. I can't wrap my mind around, uh, you know, the tribulation, their view of the tribulation, their view of the rapture and, and just stuff like that. It's just hard for me to grasp me personally. Mm-hmm. I feel like Amil, a beginner could technically grasp it, even if they don't understand all of the ins and outs, because it makes the most sense logically. Well, to you, it does. To me. To yeah. me. I would say that I'm probably like 70 Amil. And I think I could see thirty percent potentially being historic. Historic pre mill, yeah. I think that I'm not. I I can't really agree with dispensational pre mill at this point, and I can't really agree with post mill at all at this point. And I don't know enough about historic pre mill to agree with it yet. But I could definitely see historic pre mill being definitely holds the, the most weight in church history. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it's definitely a, re- a reputable view. Mm-hmm. And uh, a view that's worth studying for sure. Yeah. If 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 I had to fall in any of them outside of our mill, it would probably be historic pre mill for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. I do have a hard time believing the dispensational view. Mm-hmm. Um, just the literal reading of it just seems too fantastical and not taking in, into account scripture, mm-hmm. like Old Testament stuff. You know. I uh, agree. Yeah, I w- I would agree with that. I think that if you. Uh, I think there's ways to make it seem logical to folks that don't know the rest of the Bible too well. Um, And I I say that because that was myself for a long time until really going through every book. I remember you used to argue with me that dispensationalism is the proper hermeneutic. I think just a year ago, (laughs) we went on uh, Alex Zenk's show, Undying Light. And I was arguing for dispensational premillennialism yep. against you and Alex, mm-hmm. who I think Alex is also Amil. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I got to say, I totally stumped you guys as a dispensational Yeah, you did guy. by changing your mind. <laughs> well, you, you pranked us. <laughs> yeah. And now, yeah. It's a big prank. I just um, want to say, Ryan, I've been right all along. That's true. Uh, I'm only kidding. That's true. I'm only kidding. You were. I was such a fool. <laughs> Also, there's like a passage in Matthew 24 where Jesus specifically says like first there will be a tribulation and mm-hmm. then he will come and, and uh, get the saints, mm-hmm. you know. So I have trouble with the pre-trib view. Yeah. Uh, even though I don't believe in a literal tribulation, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing I picked up, that's that's probably the biggest difference between historic and dispensational is uh, the rapture. 
Yeah. Dispensational will put the rapture before a seven year tribulation. Yeah. And premill will say you're it's Jesus coming back one time and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to look up the supporting passages for pre-trib, like why they believe that. And they all seem very vague. First Thessalonians. That one was super vague. Four, right? Yeah. And First then Thessalonians four. Revelation yeah. three, which is just in the middle of one of the letters to the churches. Uh-huh. It just says like he would not, he'll, he'll keep you during the hour of trial, mm-hmm. which is like super vague. Also, I think uh, one really in-depth one that actually convinced me when I was younger was um, the 70 weeks of Daniel okay. because of how they have the weeks listed. It does seem like there's a break. There's a, a clear break between the 69th week and the 70th week. Um, and I don't want to get crazy technical, yeah, yeah. but basically they believe that the week quote unquote in Daniel, all it says is seven. It says seven. It, it doesn't actually say a week. And so they believe that, it's actually the 77 years of Daniel. And then in Daniel, you know, when they're going through the list of what's going to happen during these quote unquote weeks, there is a clear defined break before the final seven, the the final seven. And so I think that that is also an argument that they would make saying, okay, during this major break, the church is going to get raptured. And that was convincing for me back in the day. It's not quite so convincing anymore, but uh, I think that's one of them too. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all the views have their scriptural references that they like to use. Mm -hmm. All the views except for post... I'm only kidding. Um, (laughs) Totally only kidding. I mean, you know, talking about post-mill, it's like part of me really wants it to be true. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, but... Absolutely. I want to be post mill so bad. Yeah. I really, it's like, I remember through the years, Ryan saying this a couple times. I want to be whatever. Like, yeah. I really want to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, post mill. I do. I want to have an optimistic outlook in the world. I want to be a Christian nationalist. I want to, I want to aim yeah. for Christendom 2.0. All these things sound really, really great. You know, but when you really dive into the general ideas, it, for me, it's just hyper optimistic, and it's really hard to to say yes, even if someone doesn't believe in God and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, they just they're just gonna uh, obey by the law. They're just gonna do everything that God says because we're a Christian nation. It's just it's hard. It's it's a hard thing to grasp, and usually Christian nationalism goes hand in hand with post mill. Usually, and it just it's hard for me to really come to a logical conclusion that yes, this is a hundred percent true. One, I think one logical error that I that I found while we were going through the, all this is that it seems like with post mill. Um, their idea of Christ having the victory is very earthly. It's, it's, I was just going to say that it's very much like Christians being the dominant influence in culture. And I kept hearing about all these great buildings that Christians would build and all these great movies that Christians would make. Yeah. And to me, if that's how you believe revelation is playing out, that doesn't say Jesus coming down 
destroying the Antichrist, destroying the beast. To me, that reads more like Jesus coming down and controlling and changing the Antichrist, yeah. controlling and changing the beast so that it is Christ glorifying in the end. Yeah. And that doesn't make any... That's not how the text reads. The text yeah. reads that the world is awful. Jesus comes and destroys all, all this stuff. And that's destroys it. Destroys the world. Not like we are within this and we slowly change it over time. And then we like take over the antichrist and the beast that to me, that's, that's like a, a logical error that yeah. doesn't add up. And for me, they take something biblical, like Christian faithfulness and they turn it into Christian forcefulness. Like instead of just being faithful, because that's the byproduct of the Holy spirit living within me. And it's my call to, positively impact the world around me i'm going to now force everyone to live a christian way for what either way they're going to hell mm -hmm. they're not going to have if they don't believe you know they're not going to have any more of a better chance to be right with god if they're following the laws if they're doing what god wants them to do mm -hmm. either way they're going to hell so what are you really changing you're changing the experience for the christian so that it becomes more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And if that was what everyone is aiming towards, the poor apostles, poor Jesus, none of them had that life. So why am I better than them that I get that life that they never had? You know, I mean, they're, they're in heaven now. They're, in, they're rejoicing in the presence of God. But that's, that's what we wait for. We wait for the new heavens and new earth. We wait for it to being in the presence of God. That's our crown. That's our glory. That's what we hope for. I could care less what happens on this earth because it's going to be destroyed in the end anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, the new heavens and new earth is what we wait for. And we, we, we long for a world without sin. We long for a world without death. So even if things do change here in a positive way, which I do hope, that's not the end goal. And mm -hmm. for them, it seems like that's the end goal. Well, it sounded like from the, our guests, they're basing a lot of their views. They're saying that this has to be the fulfillment of the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. that the original view that God set up in the garden has to be fulfilled on this earth. Mm -hmm. And when I hear that, I'm just like, why? why, sin, why? sin is still here. It, why can't it be the new earth? Yeah. <laughs> That, that so. is technically the recreation of the masterpiece. Yeah. There's a new heavens and new earth because there won't be any sin there. Mm -hmm. Therefore, no death. So, yeah, that was my a big hang-up I had. Like, it seemed like they were really going deep into that Garden of Eden thing. Yeah, and the dominion thing dominion. that he talks about in Isaiah a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that one thing that I would, I would change uh, when I was doing the, some of these interviews you know, with you guys and the guests is that when I was interviewing, uh, Dr. Blomberg, I was asking him about, we asked everybody, you know, about their, their views on the other eschatological views. Um, I asked Dr. Blomberg what he thought about post-millennialism and he sort of went off on this, um, his, his answer was a lot about, Christian nationalism and trying to make everybody like yourself and it got a little bit political and it was talking about white nationalists and stuff, which, uh, you know, I think we disagree a lot on politics between us. 
I, I very much lean conservative, but that's besides the point. I quickly in my head and during the interview dismissed that, that part of the conversation because I thought that he was just sort of being political and, and it really had nothing to do with what we were talking about. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, but what about, you know, your view on when revelation was written? Isn't that a good rebuttal, uh, to post millennialism. And now looking back, it's kind of like what we're talking about here. And I wish that I would have, I would have prodded that a little bit further to talk about the connection between, uh, you know, just this view that Christians should be dominating politics and society and culture and things like that. Because at the time I didn't know very much about post-mill and I didn't really realize that that was a big part of post-millennialism. And I thought that he was sort of getting off topic. So I kind of regret not going a little bit deeper into what yeah. he was talking about there. I, you didn't realize that it was on topic. Yeah, yeah. And very relevant. Yep. Probably because you're not on Twitter. Yeah. If you were on Twitter, you would notice really quickly. Yeah. And were you guys saying that post mill is gaining a lot of attraction? It is. Oh, yeah. totally. So it's yeah. getting big. And, and to be honest, I mean, I love Apologia. You know that. James White is one of my theological heroes. But I think the, uh, the popularity of post mill has a lot to do with Apologia Church and uh, them teaching on it, and then some other known theologians um, kind of follow suit and picked up on that, and they're really popular on social media. So I think they're having uh, a major influence in the social media realm. And honestly, I think it's, it's, uh, it's just growing in popularity in general. I think a lot of people are turning to Post Mill. I think that includes a lot of our listeners, to be honest. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, that makes me want to tell you guys that we're not just sitting here just dunking on post mills because we just think that it's like the most idiotic thing ever. I think this is how theological discussions should be happening. We should be not just saying, oh, yeah, that's probably right. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's probably right, too. You should be actually thinking about it and going through it. And you should be, you know, you should be reflecting on your own beliefs and you should allow what we're saying as rebuttals potentially make you rethink things as well. That's how you grow spiritually. That's how you grow in your knowledge about, about what God has told us in the scriptures is by being challenged in your beliefs. Yes. So, you know, don't be like super soft. Don't hate us and, and stop listening because we're, we're bringing these rebuttals about post mill. You should enjoy it. You should, you should allow that to be a time of reflection for yourself. Yeah. And to be fair, I'm a mill. But there is a ton of overlap with post mill and on mill. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, we're like almost the same all the way up until the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is there is more in common than not. If you're on mill and post mill, there's a ton in common. Uh, we we both recognize that Jesus Christ is reigning now. We don't. We both don't really believe in. Uh, we we believe in a symbolic millennium. Mm-hmm. You know, not not a literal one thousand year reign. So there's there's a lot of similarities. So if we're having that discussion, we're gonna agree more than we're gonna disagree. Uh, but yeah. we, you know, Christian nationalism. Maybe we can do an episode on it at one point. But I think that's where it starts becoming people having a hard time having that discussion because it's so fresh, it's so new, it's a term that hasn't really been around long enough. 
and the wars that it has caused on Twitter and social media automatically causes people to go into war zone where they have they feel like they have to argue. And that's not the approach that I want to take. So maybe one day we can do a, a an episode and have people on all sides on there. Um, yeah. I'd, maybe I'll cut this. I'll see how you guys think about it. But I do want to say that I do think people should be weary if their end times view has to do with like a dominating America. You know, like America is going to become this great Christian, you know, influence in the world. Like, I don't know. I just want to be weary of putting our hopes in America Mm -hmm. instead of like missing the whole point, which is like the hope is in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the work that he's doing throughout the world is so much bigger Mm -hmm. than just what's going on in this country. No, I totally agree. And I think that, uh, you know, one thing that was sort of a reality check when Pastor Chris was going through his Revelation series is um, he was doing it when the Republicans like did nothing during the midterms, you know, the election midterms like a year ago. And for a lot of Christians that lean Republican, that was a really sad week because, you know, we have all our hopes in these Republicans coming in and stopping abortion and stopping, you know, the societal rot and things of that nature. And Pastor Chris came pointedly and said, Democrat, Republican, smash them together. They're all part of the beast. You know, you know, they're all part of the political system that is controlled by Satan. And so, like Mark said, we shouldn't be putting all our hopes and dreams in these politicians who at the end of the day, the political system is part of the world, which is against Christ. We should be putting our hope in Christ. Yeah, just to clarify, though, it doesn't mean that there can't be Christians in politics. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you don't have to get involved in politics. Go out and vote. Make sure you're doing your research on the issues. Um, I I know I'm biased. We've had this discussion. I'm an abolitionist, you know, and I'm really enthusiastic about those things. So still be involved, but know that you can't have your hope mm-hmm. and faith in those things. Right. They might provide you with temporary gains, you know, temporary successes. But in the end, Jesus Christ is reigning. And the world is, is hopeless without Christ. Mm-hmm. Even if you have your political agenda that's winning it's hopeless without christ Mm -hmm. absolutely well um you spoke a little bit about the uh the war that's raging about christian nationalism i think some of the soldiers in that war are folks in the g3 camp who we uh are closely associated with the g3 world is a friend of bible dingers absolutely virgil walker and josh bice and all them (laughs) Uh, and I mentioned that to say that if you guys are listening, we are going to be at G3 conference this year. We're going to have a booth just like we were back in 2021. And so we hope that you guys come out too. Uh, we got to meet several of our listeners last time and we got to meet several of our heroes last time too. You know, we got to meet Paul Washer. We got to meet Vody Bacham and some other folks that were there. Uh, if you are going to go, make sure you use our discount code G3BD. You don't have to pay full price for your ticket. You can use our discount code and you actually get, I think it's 30% off. So you get a really good discount if you use our discount code. And talking about discount codes, there is also a discount code on Righteous Wretch. For those of you that like to wear Christian apparel that's not corny and just filled with Christianese, uh, Righteous Wretch aims to 
put things on their shirt that causes people to think and have conversations, inevitably leading to gospel presentations. So that's their heart. That's their goal. So we teamed up with Righteous Wretch, and we have a discount code for their website, and that's Bible Dingers, of course, B-I-B-L-E-D-I-N-G-E-R-S. Wow, that was longer than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, Bible Dingers discount code will get you a discount on their apparel. And they're producing a Bible Dingers t-shirt. Oh, yeah. And possibly two other t-shirts that will be sold at the G3 conference Ooh. coming this September. September. Worlds Collide. Worlds Collide in Atlanta, Georgia. Sponsors Collide. Oh. Righteous Wretch and Bible Dingers will be sharing a booth, God willing. I mean, things could change, but God willing, we will be sharing a booth. They will be selling Bible Dingers gear there as well as their own gear, like tumblers and stickers and T-shirts and all the stuff that I know you love because you're going to buy it right now and use the discount code Bible Dingers at RighteousWretch.com. Make sure you check them out. But yeah, G3 is coming, and I'm looking forward to it, guys. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I will say that's probably the most exhausted I've ever felt You know, in oh, many, totally. many years. You don't realize, I think, how much just talking to people takes it out of you. But when you're standing for like 12 hours talking nonstop all day, bro, yep. I knocked out every <laughs> Me night. Me too. Me too. Every night. And uh, guys, we didn't talk about this much. But this is the last season going book by book through the Bible. And I just want to get the listeners excited as to what's next. We're making no guarantees right now. We're in discussion as a group to see what we want to do next as far as our podcast and YouTube pages. But whatever it is, you are going to enjoy it. And we are as excited as you are to go on to our next chapter now that we've accomplished so much. I'm really proud of you guys. We've, we've done a lot. Yeah, I think probably one big I think uh, change to our ministry that we can we probably have agreed on already together. I would say is that we are really hoping to make this a video podcast as well. That we don't want to just do audio, even though we love audio. We know the majority of you are just listening. Well, all of you, because this isn't posted on YouTube. But yeah. You're all listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever. But we want to move into the YouTube world and the Twitter world or whatever that. We can post these video podcasts on as well. Yeah. I think that's probably going to be one of the major uh, differences that you see between season seven and season eight. Yeah. We'll still have an audio podcast available mm -hmm. to you, of course, but we'll also be on YouTube for you to watch and enjoy our faces. Mm -hmm. um, Not that our faces are really not nice, but that's true. I Maybe mean, we should have thought about that. A little hard to enjoy. Yeah. We could wear masks. Yeah. Let us know if you want us to wear masks yeah. or just blur out our faces. <laughs> you know, that's pretty easy to do. Uh, I have one more question for you guys since we finished the entire Bible. Uh, what's what's probably the biggest thing that you learned after going through the entire Bible? Genesis to Revelation. What's your number one takeaway? I have quite a few. Yeah. But I am most thankful for going through the whole Bible with the general outlines and, and fun facts and authors and stuff like that. There's probably stuff that I've learned doing recording with you guys that I might have never encountered. I mean, outside of seminary, but I really had to grasp some of the author facts that seminary won't even mention, like fun facts of the book and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That was really, I know that I can have that tool forever mm -hmm. and I can have it there in our files 
and I can use it while I'm preaching. I can use it while I'm reading through a book, and it really helps. Mm -hmm. It helps. As far as memorization, I don't know if I've memorized anything that I'm like, oh, wow, this is what I'm remembering right now. Mm -hmm. But through the years, my hermeneutic has changed drastically. Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest takeaway. Actually, teaching through the whole Bible caused me to change from where I started. Mm -hmm. So I'm not as dogmatic as I used to be. I believe in edifying conversations. Whereas when I first started, I was super dogmatic and super argumentative and super closed off and thought that I knew everything. Mm -hmm. And then as I studied with you guys, I realized how much I knew nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it humbled me to the point where I am way more open now to have fun conversations, theological conversations. Whereas in the beginning, like I would just be like, no, heretics, you know? So that's what I'm most thankful for is allowing me the opportunity to see how smart other theological stances are mm-hmm. and that we should respect those and have fun conversations like we've had. Mm-hmm. Arminianism, Calvinism, we had on the show Provisionism, we had on the show, whereas some of those reform pages wouldn't even touch that stuff because it's just teaching what they believe and what their bias is. And I really t- took away the benefit of leaving your bias aside for a second and having fun conversations so that you know what others believe, mm-hmm. like we did with the round table. Yeah. So that's 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 my biggest takeaway. Mm-hmm. What about you, Mark? I mean, definitely the more you learn, the less that you know. Yeah. You know, for and, sure. Um, it's been a privilege to study the whole Bible with you guys and really be opened up to those conversations. Uh, I still don't fully know what dispensationalism is, mm-hmm. but now I have like an idea and at least a picture of it. And um, same with covenant theology. Um, but yeah, it's just been, you know, you get to see the full storyline of the Bible, which is really cool because it is, a, it is a storyline. I think a lot of people think it's just a bunch of books thrown together, but it is one cohesive story. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, that was, was great. I was going to say, um, <laughs> you know, when you look at it closely, you see um, how much God was involved Yeah, in hit, in history. You know, he was just guiding everything, every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it can be easy to read it just as a bunch of people doing a bunch of things. But really, it's it's all about Jesus. So, yeah, that's cool. I wanted to make a joke, but I won't. Okay. Do it. <laughs> that is something that I really appreciated. Um when writing some of these outlines and, and learning the historical context, it was such a beautiful thing to realize how much stuff was actually married together and belonged together rather than it just be like, okay, here's a book and here's what this book says and then move on to the next book. Here's what this book says. Um, that was one of, one of my favorite parts of, of going through the entire Bible. I think the most life-changing part for me or the, the most pivotal thing for me was actually really early on and uh, it was when I was studying to do the five objections with adherent apologetics. I don't even know if they're called that anymore. I think it's... it's I don't know. And Carl's not there anymore either. I think mm-hmm. it's just Zach. Um, but this was years ago now. And I was, and that's when I first got introduced to Old Earth and Hugh Ross and stuff like that. I wouldn't say that that in particular was the most pivotal you know, thing that I learned throughout this journey. But I think 
that's what really kicked me off into being open to hearing what other sides have to say. Similar to what Nick was saying earlier is that when we went into this, you can hear it in our early intro episodes. Um, You know, I was saying that I was basically saying dispensationalism, premillennialism, young earth, blah, blah, blah. All the stuff is right. And we'll give the other views a chance, but this is basically how you read the Bible. We really weren't giving them a chance. And then I think as we went along and I actually did start to hear more from these other views and things like that, it really made me open my eyes to see that there is a lot of merit to what other people have to say. And the Bible isn't just this black and white thing that you just, you start reading it, you finish reading it and you understand it, you know, easily like, like a regular, you know, fiction story or something like that. Um, and it, and it opened me up to believing I would, I probably wouldn't have been open to all millennialism if I didn't first go through the step of thinking, okay, maybe not all of this is literal, you know, maybe all of Genesis one or two, it doesn't have to necessarily be literal. And that was probably the first step into me accepting other things about the Bible that, you know, are, are more likely to be true in my mind now, a few years later. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think it helped. Um, like when we started recording, I was a pretty new Christian. Mm-hmm. I had only just read the New Testament. I didn't really even touch the Old Testament. Um, I think earlier on, earlier on in recording, I was asking a lot more questions mm-hmm. in our episodes. And uh, I don't know, maybe that helped spur more conversation about these things. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> so yeah, it's been interesting kind of being like a new Christian alongside you guys and then going through the entire Bible. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We've all changed in many ways, I yeah. think. It, but it's all for the better. Absolutely. I've seen you guys grow. I've seen you guys learn a lot. You know, we say, oh, what did you take away? What did you learn? It's hard to come up with a quick answer because we got four years in this. But the growth is obvious. Mm-hmm. I mean, just looking at you guys and seeing where we were four years ago and where we are today, I'm super proud of all of us. You know, you're starting to make me feel sentimental because now I'm thinking about all the life changes too from when we started recording. I remember one of the first episodes, we were hanging out with Mark in the parking lot and he was talking about maybe asking this girl out. Yeah. And now here we are years later. And we he's married. We were honored. Yeah, we got to be groomsmen in his wedding and see him get married. You had Jacob. Yeah. I just had Levi. So there's been marriages, babies, moving. People have moved churches. People have moved houses. Yeah. But still, this has sort of yeah. remained a constant through all these major life changes. When in we life. first started, all of us were at a different church. Mm-hmm. All of us were completely different churches. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were two short, I mean, uh, two kids less. Mm-hmm. Mark wasn't married. One marriage less. Mm-hmm. I was single. Yeah, he's single. I, yeah, he wasn't yeah, even he dating was yet. Yeah. And Bible Langers is still here. I remember Alyssa actually came to one of our early episodes yes. when they were just boyfriend Sitting and the, girlfriend. on the couch. Yeah. yeah. Wow, at our old church so in the basement. Yep. Yep. And we recorded at several places. Yep. Basements, studios, attics. Church stages. Church stages. This has probably been our longest running one, though. The attic of my my house. Yeah. 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 There's a, there's like a joke about, you know, just a couple guys making a podcast in their mom's basement. Yeah. We were in our (laughs) church's basement. Yeah. 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 Good times, man. Crazy stuff. 
but it's yeah. been an honor, guys. Almost yeah, it has been split up halfway through. Yeah, that's right. And I was considering leaving. Mm-hmm. There has been lots of challenges to Bible Dingers. It's not easy, you know, to put out this content as a group of three men who all think individually and have their own lives going on. Uh, your previous, my previous pastor was telling me to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the whole thing. Yep, that was the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I know. At our previous pastor was telling me to leave too. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know what? It just shows that God is in it. Mm-hmm. And we have the right heart because we've gone through a lot of different disagreements together. We have the right heart because even when we disagree, if one of us is wrong, usually me, if one of <laughs> us is wrong, we'll turn around and say, hey, we were wrong here. Let's get back on track. We're doing this for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we get back together. Mm-hmm. We, we we argue, but we get back on mission. Yep. And that's one of the things that I've enjoyed the most about this journey is is it's obvious all of us didn't agree with stuff, but we still disagree on some stuff. Yeah, that's you fine. I and mean, that's normal. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. But we got back on mission. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm proud of that. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen churches split up for what we went through and we stayed on track. Mm-hmm. And uh I really enjoy that about a relationship. I enjoy that about a ministry that we do have. All three of us have differences, but somehow we get right back on mission and we benefit others and we teach others and we go through the Bible together and we all change. Mm -hmm. I'm sure five years later, we're going to look back and say, wow, we changed a lot from today. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's been an honor just watching you guys grow and... This has been one of my greatest, one of our greatest, but I'm saying for my life, one of my most consistent and greatest accomplishments mm-hmm. in my life is doing this with you guys. Same here. Yeah. I think I I might have mentioned it, but bro, I was crying. I was crying when I finished that revelation <laughs> outline because that's, that's definitely a top five accomplishments in life yeah. outlining the entire Bible. Yeah. It's crazy to think Hopefully about. we'll have it published. <laughs> I'd love to, yeah. For those of you that are interested, maybe at G3. Yeah, that's another thing I guess we could mention is that uh, we're sort of, we're still talking about it. You know, like Nick said, nothing's set in stone, but, um, you know, we're a Bible and theology resource and we're we're considering maybe expanding that, you know, and, and providing just more resources, books and things of that nature. Yep. So, but we'll see what comes. Yes, we'll we have comes. to have those conversations. Yep. But anyway, that was our recap episode we sure hope you enjoyed it we shared some of our biases we spoke from our hearts dunked on post mill dunked on dispensationalism <laughs> dunked on dispensationalism <laughs> um, no we love you guys we do uh, but we're just having conversations and that's what this is all about having healthy conversations but if you enjoyed Bible Lingers thus far I guarantee one thing you're going to like what we do next Whatever it is, you're going to love us because (laughs) we're going to be together. We're going to be together. We're going to have that chemistry. And we're going to aim to teach you whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be beneficial. And it's going to encourage you to get closer to God. But make sure you give us a follow Mm -hmm. at Bible Thinkers across the board, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And while you're there, just give me the Don't pass and scroll. scroll. Hit subscribe. Hit like. Hit follow. 
become a patron, and most importantly, ding on. Bible Dingers. Five years in the book. And then Nick dies. <laughs> and then Nick died. What a perfect ending. <laughs>